The Christian life isn't about saying yes to Jesus once, but saying yes to him repeatedly, in every step and every season. He wants to speak to us, but doesn't yell or scream. Instead, Jesus shows us infinitely more as we learn to listen, trust, and obey him. Our individual walks with God started off very differently. I was saved in high school, but straight, straight away from a personal relationship with God once I joined the military. Rita wasn't saved and didn't truly know who God was until we found Vintage Church. We moved to Fort Hood in February 2020. Our first Sunday attending Vintage was a digital service they streamed online. We watched online each week and slowly leaned into a new season of life. Every week, a member of Vintage staff closed their online service with an opportunity to say the salvation prayer. I doubted that I needed to say it, so I never did. And then, while watching the Easter 2020 service online, I heard God tell me to say it. So as Pastor Lindsay led the salvation prayer, I finally said it and gave my life to Christ. Ross and I jumped into a family small group to get connected. Until this point, I hadn't shared a lot of my backstory. I felt they wouldn't understand it or judge me for the things that I was ashamed of. As we closed our women's small group with prayer requests, I heard God for the second time. This time he asked, ask them to pray for your dad and his alcoholism. I didn't want to. As we went around the circle saying our prayer requests, I became more and more uncomfortable until I was sweating and my heart was pounding. Finally, my turn came to say my request and I let it all out. I asked these women I had only known for a few short weeks to pray that my dad would be freed of a 40 plus year long battle with alcoholism. I later found out that that exact day, my dad was woken up by a voice telling him to quit dying and start living, which meant to stop drinking. My dad is currently two years sober now. During COVID, Vintage stopped doing baptisms to follow safety guidelines and keep everyone safe. But Rita knew that God was telling her to be baptized. We made a passing comment to our family small group leaders, and within a few days, they had made plans to hold baptisms in their friend's pool so Rita could be baptized while her parents were in town from out of state. So on September 24th, 2020, surrounded by her parents, children, and spiritual family, Rita was baptized. A few months later, Vintage was growing, and they announced that a second location in Belton, Texas would be launching in early 2021. It didn't make sense for our family to help launch that location. We lived about 20 minutes west of our Harker Heights location, which meant we would be almost 50 minutes from the Belton location. I was leading a serve team at the Harker Heights location, and our friends were there. Our place was at Harker Heights, or so we thought. I then heard God's voice again. This time, it was stronger than the others. He said, go to Belton. I held on to that for a few days before I had said anything to Ross about it. When Rita told me about God telling her to go to Belton, I didn't understand and didn't think it made sense for us to go. After praying about it, we knew God was calling us to Belton without a doubt. So we committed to the launch team. Since launching Belton, we have led serve teams, hosted a family small group, and I've hosted a men's small group. We've made lifelong connections with our spiritual family, watched our four children grow in their walks with Christ, and seen an impact in the community of Belton, which we now call home. Throughout our time at Vintage, we have seen firsthand that our best life is a life lived in obedience to God.
Good morning. Can y'all hear me? Good morning. Y'all look awake and good and ready for a great day. How many of you are planning on coming to the worship night tonight in Harker Heights? Love it. Uh, I want to talk about that just for a moment, and then I'll kind of get into what we're going to do this morning and what we're going to talk about. Uh, But you probably got one of these cards on your seat when you walked in. This is, uh, if you look on the back, yes, it's a reminder about tonight, about the worship and prayer night, but just as important, if not more important, is these two questions on the back. Who am I believing God for and what am I believing God for? So this is for you to be thinking about who is it that as we go through this series, you're really believing for God to just show himself to them, for them to to make a decision for Christ, um, just to get to know God. That's who you want to put in this spot right here. And then what are you believing God for? What are you currently right now in your life believing God for? What do you need to step out in faith to believe him for? Um, I don't know what situation you're in right now, whether it's a job or you need a new home um, or just better grades in school if you're a student. You know, whatever that is, something that you're just really say, you know what, God, I've never really put my faith in you in this way, but I really want to make that step and I want to believe you to see something greater. So uh, make sure you fill that out. You can bring it with you tonight or you can drop it off in the basket by the There's More uh, booth, if you will, uh, before you leave today. So uh, for those of you that are new, welcome to Vintage Church. My name is Keegan. I'm one of the pastors here. And we have been in a series called There's More. Uh, if you've seen us the last few weeks with our shirts, we're just really excited about this series. So we're wearing them every week. There's not a dress code. Um, that joke doesn't get as many laughs each week. It did real good the first week. But uh, in any case, this series is all about us as a church taking a journey of faith together. We talked about in week one that uh, God has infinitely more available to us, but yet it requires a choice for us to pursue that and to have faith for it and to receive it. And then last week, we jumped into the topic of stewardship and talked about having God's perspective, not just our own. You know, that's the difference of somebody waking up in the morning and saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life today? This is your life. I've given it to you. Or uh, God, just watch me and how I roll today. You know, I'm just going to go do me. And, and that's, that's a different mentality, and that'll dictate how you live your life. And then today, we're going to talk about something that I think is one of the most important things we can talk about as believers, and that is hearing God's voice. How many of you would say, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that you've wrestled with really knowing confidently that you're hearing from God or not? Have you ever had times where you're like, I think it might be God speaking to me, but I'm not 100% sure? Well, I'm going to give you four things today that will help you kind of filter through that when you feel like God's speaking to you and you want to make sure. We're going to talk about that. But before we dive into that, I also want to say this. Uh, Let's give it up for Rita and Ross. Come on, she's been doing a great job. She's been stepping in to be MC, and, and I'm telling you, I know she acts like she's got it all together when she's up here, but she's shaking in her boots, you know, her proverbial boots before she gets up here, but she's just getting better and better each week, and, and uh, somebody was trying to trip her up, make her laugh from the back, I think, but uh, it's also a, a very difficult thing when you've got about 14 announcements you've got to get through in about two minutes, so I just want to say I think you're doing a great job, and her and her husband are such tremendous people that if you haven't had a chance to get to to hang out with them a bit. You really do. They're just salt of the earth, great people. They're a huge reason why this church is what it is um, here today. So I just want to give a shout out to them. I love them. Um, But let's dive in. Our text, our main verse for this series has been Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to the one who can do infinitely more than all we can ask or imagine according to the power that is working among us. 
Come on. God has infinite power available to work among us. And so we've got to tap into that. But like we said, right off in week one, it's going to require us making a choice. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first, somebody say first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So many people struggle in life because they're not seeking God first. They're seeking after things. Why? Because we need things, right? We need houses. We need jobs. We need money. Come on. Does anybody in here need money? I'm just going to tell you, if you need money, start sowing. Start being generous with the money that you have, and then watch God fill that in and just bless you. Uh, But it's all about seeking him first. Come on, when we get up in the morning to start our day, is our mind on him, or is it just on ourselves, on our own needs, our own wants, our own desires? You know, it should make a... It should make a difference. If we say we seek God first, then we should actually do that. I would encourage you, you know, take, even if it's the first five minutes of your day, put your mind on on Christ. Get in his word. Let him start to speak to you. It'll shape the whole rest of your day, I promise. And so today we're going to clear this up because one of the greatest things that we can experience is God speaking to us. Come on, our God is the one true king. He's the one true God, right? He's not like some of these other gods in the Old Testament where it says they had ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they can't speak. That's not our God. Our God can speak. He can hear. He can see. And he wants to communicate with us. And that's great news. So John 10, 27 through 28, if you want to turn there, let's get started. And I want to give you a little context as you go in there. In this time, in Jesus' day, They thought that God had forgotten about them. but uh, So before Jesus, there had been 400 years of silence. So this is kind of like this time where you you get to the end of the Old Testament, and then you're about to jump into the New Testament. Well, historically and theologically, they say that there was kind of this 400 years in between where there was silence, where God really wasn't speaking. There weren't any prophets, you know, that God was speaking through. Um, And so it was kind of like this, well, what's going on? We're just going to kind of live off of what we already know. And so uh, this is the time that, that they're talking about. Before they met Jesus, the disciples thought God only spoke to kings and priests. But Jesus changed the way they thought about God. He forever, say forever, transformed the way they related to God. Because in the Old Testament, remember, you couldn't just go talk to God by yourself. Right? There was this whole process. And there was, there was a priest that would have to go in and, and talk to God on your behalf. And so if God had a message to get to his people, he would send it through a prophet or he would send it to his, through his priest or whatever the leader was of that day. And then, then they would give the, relay the message to the people, right? But that's one of the greatest things about Jesus coming is that the veil was torn and now we all have access into the presence of God where we can talk with him one-on-one. It doesn't mean he still doesn't speak through prophets and through leaders and pastors, because he does. We're going to talk about that. But the great news is, is that you don't have to just go to a priest or have a priest come to you every time you want to have interaction with God. Somebody say, that's a good thing. Now, say it like you believe it. That's a good thing. Come on. It's a great thing. Come on. This is going to be exciting. So John 10, here we are in 27 and 28, says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Come on, if you know Jesus, if you know God, you know his voice. Or you can at least begin to learn his voice, right? For some of us, we get, we get saved, and then people are like, well, now just talk to God. And you're like, well, what language does he speak? 
you know, how do I talk to him? I don't, what does that mean? To just stare up into the sky and like, you know, hope it hits something? But no, but it can feel like that. It can feel like there's this disconnect, like maybe God speaks Mandarin and I speak English and I don't know how we're going to make this work. There's no app for like translating God, right? And so it's something that you have to learn. You've got to learn how to hear God's voice and how to discern it. And we're going to talk about that today. But there is a biblical pattern that we see of God speaking to people. Noah, for example, God told him to build an ark when he'd never seen rain. Wouldn't that be interesting? Abraham, God told him to go from his family and his tribe to a land that he would show him. I mean, imagine God saying, yeah, pack up your whole life and your family and just go. Well, where are we going? I'll tell you as you start going. That's a big, big deal. Uh, but he had to trust and knew and know that he heard God's voice, so he obeyed. Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Remember, God was speaking to him, and he didn't recognize his voice at first. And then David. David wrote most of the Psalms out of his conversations with God. See, David, before he was ever a warrior and before he was ever a king, he was a worshiper. And he was someone who was just getting to know God, speaking with him on a regular basis. And then Isaiah. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me, when, when God started speaking to him. And Daniel's another example. Daniel stayed up all night waiting for God to speak to him about the king's dream. You remember that story? And he said if, if God didn't speak, he was going to die. Like he had to hear from God. But all of these men, and there's plenty of women as well. You know, think of Mary. Mary had the angel come and, and she was terrified. You know, she didn't recognize. She wasn't used to angelic encounters of God speaking to her. But God showed up to her. And the point is, God wants to speak to all of us, but a lot of us don't recognize when he's trying to speak. So we're going to talk about that today, how we can recognize it. So this is what Jesus means when he says, my sheep, hear my voice. And our default setting as believers should be this. Whatever God says to me, I'm saying yes to. Whether that's, hey, get up and move to this place, or whether that's, I think you need to change jobs. You know, or whether that's, I think you need to give this, or I think you need to go talk to this person. Whatever God speaks to us, we ought to have a predetermined yes in our hearts. That we're just going to, whatever you want, just like Mary said, whatever you see fit, God, however you want it to be, I'm in agreement with it. I say yes. That's a life that's surrendered like we talked about last week. So how do you know when it's God speaking? It can be hard because there's different voices. We have different voices in our lives, and we're going to talk about these three real quick. Number one is our flesh, our soul, our mind, our body. Come on, we all have our own ideas, our own thoughts of, of what we should be doing, how we should be spending our time, what our life should look like, right? Our own selfish desires, if you will. And then we have number two, the devil. So the devil is real, right? Lucifer is real. There's a whole spiritual realm. We'll, we'll probably talk about this a little bit uh, more in the coming year, but you got to understand, this is not a weird thing. I mean, people watch weirder stuff on TV during the month of October than what I'm talking about. But there is a spiritual realm where there's, you know, Lucifer fell and, and a third of the angels fell with him. Those are called demonic or unclean or foul spirits. And those spirits speak to us, right? And there's people that listen to them. If they weren't listening to them, they wouldn't just walk into a movie theater and spray the place down with bullets just to do it, right? Those are, that's, that, those are things that are driven by demonic spirits speaking to people and people listening to those voices and, and doing what they say, doing what they suggest. That's how that stuff happens. Make no mistake. And then lastly is God, the voice that matters most. So you, we've all got these different voices, and not even to mention other people in our lives, 
right, who have their opinions and their thoughts about how we ought to be living our life and what we ought to be doing. So we have all these voices, but we have to be able to discern and understand which voice is which and which ones we should listen to and follow and which ones we should very quickly dismiss and have nothing to do with. So as we go, you got to understand this too. There will be times when you must hear God's voice to know his will for you. Now, this kind of breaks down into two things. God kind of has a general, general will for all of us, which is what he said in the Great Commission, to, to go and make disciples. You know, we're, we're to, to be salt and light in the earth. We're to evangelize. We're to share our faith. That's a, that's a kind of a general um, will for our life that God has. But there's also specific wills for our life, right? Like he told Abraham specifically, get your family. You need to move. You know, he told Noah, build an ark. You know, there's, there's specific things that God asks us to do, that he speaks to us. And if we don't hear his voice and recognize those instructions, then we won't do it. And we won't know to do it. And so you've got to be listening to that. Let's look again in John chapter 10, verse 14 and 27. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. As a Christian, Jesus is now your shepherd He's the one leading you, guiding you. And so you have to know his voice so you know when he's telling you, go here, go here, do this, don't do that. So I want to give you a quick illustration of, of this. It's very simple. It's not as complicated as we like to make it to hear God's voice. But I want to give you an example. I'm going to play four audio clips, and I want you to guess and tell me who the person is after each clip. Okay, go ahead and roll the first one. I think you were a very, very ineffective leader. Your decision-making was absolutely terrible. James, you built a batting cage. You took up all the space. Mark, this is a sales task. You didn't sell a single thing. And again, in this boardroom, we've never had a team lose so badly. You're all fired. All four are fired. No one, no one this morning is getting fired, but whose voice is that? Donald Trump from The Apprentice. All right, roll the next one. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Mel Gibson from Braveheart. I was starting to, you know, it's funny. It's starting to happen to me at 42, where like you feel like that movie happened to like yesterday. I'm like, yeah, it's not that old, and people are like, that movie's old. Like, so there's going to be people that you're going to play that for that have not seen that movie and doesn't know it existed. But yes, Braveheart, roll the next one. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners. Martin Luther King, can't, can't miss that one at all. Next one, last one. There is a future life. And eternal life does not begin when you die and go to heaven. It begins here and now when you make this choice for Christ. Because eternity, eternal life, comes to dwell in your heart tonight. Jesus Christ is the gateway to heaven. Anybody? Billy Graham. That's right. And we could have played a hundred, if not thousands of others' voices, and you would instantly recognize that, right? It should be the same way with God. We should get to a place where we know his voice so well that we can instantly recognize when he's speaking to us. And so you got to know this. God is a communicator. Right in Genesis 1, the Bible starts with showing us 
God said, God said, right? God is, he's speaking all the time to us. The question is, are we listening and can we recognize his voice? And so I want to help you with that this morning. The first point is uh, when we're determining how we know it's God is number one, the Bible. We call this the logos. This is the written word of God. This Bible that people nowadays are, even Christians will tell you, well, I don't, you know, the things we used to know about this or all the interpretations we've had, a lot of that needs to be reinterpreted because after all, it's 2022 and, and all of that was just relative back in the first, second, third century. But, you know, we need, to, we need to have reinterpretation. Can I tell you that's not true? This Bible was written, as, as we'll read, it was inspired by God. In other words, the one who says, I'm the same yesterday and today and forever, he knew what needed to be put in this written word as he was revealing himself to us that would last for all eternity. This Bible does not need reinterpretation. What God says is true and what is right and all of that has not changed. And so it's a fool's errand. There's a lot of people, and I'm telling you, I, I've heard this a lot. People get into this and well, God only meant, you know, I'll give you one example. When it comes to same-sex marriage, well, God's not just, he's not really opposed to same-sex marriage. It's just he doesn't want you to be in a fornicating relationship. As long as you're in a monogamous, same-sex, committed, covenant, you know, relationship, that's literally one of the things that people say now. And they say that's biblical. Can I tell you, it's not true. And so you've got to understand the, the best and first way that we hear from God is his word. His word doesn't change. You can take it to the bank. No matter how much they try and destroy this or discredit it, devalue it, it will never, it will always stand up to every test and outlive every person who tries to debunk it. Can I get an amen? Amen. And on that note, if you don't have a physical Bible and you need one, don't leave this place today without getting one. We have Bibles. We would love to give you one and put God's word in your hand. But that's the first way. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all, somebody say all. Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And here's the thing. God's Word doesn't just make us feel good all the time, right? I heard somebody say this week at a, at a little conference we were at, he said, the best thing you can do when you come up against something in the Bible that you disagree with is assume you're wrong. How I many know that's good advice? That's great advice, right? If our lives, this is the standard. Not my thoughts, not my opinions, not your uncle's opinions. It's the word of God. And you've got to have that conviction. You know, I heard, I heard another great thing this week that just pertains to this. Uh, this doctor in theology, he said, listen, he said, a belief is just something that whether it's true or not, it, it doesn't really affect your life. But a conviction is something that is so true that it does affect and dictate how you live your life. You need to not just believe that God's word is true. You need to have a conviction that it is what you're living by, that it is the word of God. Everybody in agreement with that? Okay. I'm, I'm going to get into it a little bit. But this is the thing. God's word speaks to everything in our life. Here's some simple examples. Direction. Proverbs 11.3 says, And the integrity of the upright shall guide them. Right? As you get God's character and his word, his integrity in your life, it's going to guide you. It'll give you direction. If you're dealing with mean people, Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Right? There's a, re- there's a way to deal with people that God says is good. Bless them. Bad news. If you get bad news, Psalms 112, uh, 7 says, the righteous don't fear bad news, but trust in the Lord. 
You know, you get a diagnosis, somebody in your family or whatever. That's bad news, but you can still trust in God. You can trust him with that. Choosing friends, Proverbs 13, 20 says, a companion of fools is destroyed. Come on, tell your friend, don't pick a fool for a friend, right? You don't want to be hanging out with fools. Or anger, Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. How many of you have experienced that? You've been in a situation where things get heated, but a, a gentle answer can just bring it all back down and calm things down. The Bible has answers for everything, everything. So that's number one. Number two, the Bible or the rhema word of God. This is God's word revealed to you for you. So this, number one, is in agreement with this Bible. But have you ever been reading your Bible and thought, I feel like now this Bible is kind of reading me, right? Or there's things that just jump out to you that, that you get this like, uh, sense that, okay, this is not just true, but it's true for me right here, right now for this situation and for this application in my life. That's called God's rhema word. That's him bringing to life maybe a specific situation. Maybe, maybe uh, you're dealing with persecution at work and you just happen to be reading about persecution in the Bible and all of a sudden God just shows you something. It jumps off the page and you're like, this is what God wants me to do specifically in this situation. That's God speaking to you, his rhema word. Now, it's hard to have rhema word if you don't get in his logos word, which is why it's so important to know your Bible, to be in it every day so that God can show you things and bring things to life and bring things to, to, uh, to the forefront in those moments to help you. So the rhema word, Acts eleven fifteen through 17 says this, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word, the rhema word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So this is what's happening, is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit is always in agreement with the, the logos, with the written word of God. That's one of the ways you can easily tell if you're hearing from the Holy Spirit or some other spirit. Because it, they'll never be in, in, in conflict. The Holy Spirit will only tell you to do and tell you things that are aligned with God's word. Luke 1.13, it seemed good to me to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. In Acts 15.25, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. What this is speaking to is that you get that sense. Have you ever just had to tell somebody when they've asked you, well, how do you know that's God? Well, I just know. I know that I know. Why? Because I know the Holy Spirit spoke it to me and he revealed it to me. That's how I know. That's a real thing. And we need to get better at recognizing and being more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Third thing is church leaders. Now, here's where it gets where you got to have more faith, right? Because we all know God's word is perfect. His word is perfect. And the Holy Spirit is perfect. But people, church leaders, are not perfect. So this is where a lot of times people get sideways because they don't test and make sure and filter what their church leaders are telling them through the word of God. Can I just tell you, every leader here at Vintage Church is going to tell you, don't just take our word for it. Go look in the Bible and find it yourself. I'm encouraging you to study your Bible. You don't have to be a pastor to study your Bible. Every believer should be getting in God's word, studying it, knowing what it says. That's how you can identify a false teacher. And if you ever have an issue with anything that I say or Pastor Stephen says or Pastor Nathan, I guarantee you, you can approach all of us 
And if you're willing to go in the Bible and look with us, we'll have that conversation with you. Let's say, let's look at it. Because we want to be preaching truth and preaching what's right. But church leaders, the, the word for bishop, bishop or pastor actually translates to mean overseer. You know, it's not our job as pastors to try and just control people or, or lord some authority over them. That's not the point. What this role and what this function, what this calling is for is to help people, right? An overseer gets to see farther down the road on some things, and God will show your leaders, excuse me, things that you're maybe not seeing, things that to help you avoid pitfalls, to help you avoid, you know, tragedy or things. That's, that's where that trust comes in. You're trusting God, and you're trusting that God is speaking through your leaders. But we're not here to just exercise, you know, lord it over people. That's not the heart of a pastor. Not a true one. We're here to help. And so Ephesians 4, 11 through 20 says this. So Christ gave himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, somebody say in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's the goal. God gives us leaders to look out for us, to help us. And lastly, follow peace. Now, I want to say, just before I go into this a little bit more, you got to keep these things in order. It's really good. When you're filtering down and trying to determine what God is saying and if it's God at all, you need to that, keep that order. Number one, does it, does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with God's Word, the Logos Word? Number two, Am, am I hearing this from the Holy Spirit? Is what I'm hearing outside of this lining up with this? And number three, I can, I can take it to my church leaders and ask them, hey, I feel like I think maybe God is saying this to me. What do you think? And ask them, and they'll pray about it, and, and, and I'll tell you if I feel like, yeah, I think this is God leading you in that. I think you should go forward in that. Or, no, I really don't think that lines up with with his word or, or with what, you know, other things that God has already spoken to you. I think something's trying to throw you off. But lastly, you can follow peace. Come on, God is not the God of chaos. He's not the God of dysfunction or disorder. He's not the God of anxiety, right? God doesn't speak these things to, to give you fear or to give you, you know, make you worried and stressed out. That's not God's will. He's, when he speaks to us, even when it's hard things, even when it's things that aren't going to be easy for us to do, how many know he still gives us peace in that? We still can walk in it with peace. It may be difficult. God asked his people to do a lot of difficult things that didn't necessarily make them all jump around and get excited. They were hard things, but they still had a peace in knowing this is what God wants me to do. And you can follow that. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Colossians three fifteen, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. As we close, I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures. Isaiah 55, 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And lastly, Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. There's a difference between the comforting or encouraging word of God and the directional word of God. 
You know, some God, sometimes God speaks to us just to, just to encourage us. You know, the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. And there's times when God just speaks to us because he, he just knows we need to hear his voice and it'll calm us down. In the same way that a child who's in distress, they just hear their, the sound of their parents' voice and everything just settles and they know they're going to be okay. Sometimes God just speaks to us like that. At other times, he's telling us, hey, you need to go do this. Or you need to go talk to that person. Right? Those are directional things. He's giving us orders. He's giving us commands. He's giving us instructions. And we need to be obedient. We need to be quick to obey and do what he's asked us to do. But hearing God's voice, don't let the devil lie to you and say that it's, it's really hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It just takes getting in your Bible because the more you learn the character of God and who he is, the more you'll be able to recognize his voice as well. And when you get that thought that comes in that causes you to panic, that's not God. And you can recognize it. Why? Because you know God's not a God who would create panic in my life. When you get that thought that just riddles you with fear, I'm not talking about the fear of God that's reverential. I'm talking about you're literally terrified and there's this fear, this doom of something bad is going to happen. That's not God. That's the enemy. And that's how we can discern. Has this been helpful for you this morning? Well, I want to end the way we always end. And that's giving you an opportunity. If you don't know God, you're probably not hearing his voice. I said in the first service, I don't listen to people that I don't know. <laughs> How can I do that? I don't know them. <laughs> and you could play me a hundred voices of people that I've never met, and I wouldn't know and be able to tell you anything about that. And so if you're not hearing God's voice, maybe it's because you don't know him. And can I tell you, that's why we take this moment at the end of every service, because the greatest thing you'll ever experience in your life is knowing God. And I guarantee you, if you've never heard him speak to you, he has so much to say to you. He has so much to tell you about how, what he thinks of you, how you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God thinks the world of us. He thinks so much of us that he sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be in relationship with him. There's nothing greater. Nothing. And so I want to give you that opportunity to meet him. Or maybe you've You've been in a relationship with God. You, you met him and you started serving him, living for him, but then something happened in your life and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, God? I don't think you're good at leading my life. I'm gonna go back to being in control myself. Maybe that's where you're at this morning because you've been frustrated. But can I tell you, God doesn't make mistakes. And us leading our own lives is never gonna end well. It's only when we're surrendered to him and we submit to him, when he's in charge. That's how you live your best life in him so today maybe you just need to give your life to him again you need to freshly commit and surrender to him the bible says we're not promised tomorrow none of us know all of our days so if you woke up this morning you got breath in your lungs that means you can still know him know him more or, or get to know him for the first time so i want to lead you in this prayer if you would just bow your head close your eyes as we as we end And I want you to really be so honest with God. If you don't know him, can I tell you, he wants to know you. And I want to encourage you to just put your faith in him today.
And if that's you, if you want to give your life to him today or you want to recommit, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, not to embarrass you, no one's looking around, but just so we can know that someone is responding to God today. And we want to be able to help you get started in this journey, your strength and your faith. So would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Lift your hand. If that's you, thank you for those hands. I'm so excited because I know God's about to just, he's going to speak to you. I'm just going to ask everybody just to repeat this after me, this prayer. And if you raise your hand, just say this with your heart. Confess it with your mouth. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for breath in my lungs. I need you, God. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. To cleanse me. Wash me. That I could be righteous in your righteousness. God, I want to hear your voice. And I ask that you would speak to me and help me to hear your voice and to know it's you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender my life to you in this moment, now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer and you believed in your heart this morning and confessed with your mouth, you are saved. And get ready because God's about to speak to you. Thank you all.